we go back in here, all the all the places I've messed up and make corrections and adjust and get better and better. Uh, but I want to talk tonight about what is the church like? What is the church like? Uh, many people have used analogies uh, to express more fully how they felt at a particular time or to describe what they went through. So you can identify with what they're talking about. Uh, I've heard different analogies and you can get really crazy with analogies. Uh, just go on Google and uh, you'll find all kinds of crazy analogies and it makes sense, but they're a little bit, some are crude and some are rude. Uh, but I've heard people say I was, it was so hot, I was sweating like a truck driver. And I'm like, wow, that's an interesting way to kind of tell me how you're feeling. Somebody may say about someone, another young boy or teasing him, he was crying like a girl. Okay. And then you kind of get that little image in your mind. And uh, one of the analogies that I was able to discover when preparing for this message is uh, cleaning the house while your kids are still home is like shoveling while it's still snowing. All the mothers say, man, <laughs> worrying, you may have heard this one before, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. You just go back and forth, not going anywhere, but you got something to do. And it just, you're not, you're not getting anywhere. And many of us have heard the, uh, the classic analogy, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And God's word similarly uses, it employs varied examples uh, by which he reveals the nature of the church in its different aspects. I'll say that again. God's word employs varied examples by which he reveals the nature of the church in its different aspects. And if we only use the analogy um, of the church as sheep and a shepherd, uh, we would view the saints, we would view the believers as just sheep. Uh, just lead them along and and let them follow the shepherd. And, and sheep are dumb and sheep are just used for one thing at the end of, you know, ever so often they just use them for their wool. And if you had that analogy of the church as the shepherd and the sheep, you would be missing out on a lot of other characteristics and qualities that God wants to uh, relay about the church. Uh, and that in and of itself is not a well-balanced example. It is a powerful example, and it's in the Word of God, but that's not all that there is. And so we want to dive into some of the analogies of the church um, the analogy of the church as the, the sheepfold, uh, the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, it, uh, there, there's more that God wants to lead us into today. Jesus understood that we need a concept of what the kingdom of God is like. And to do that, he used analogies. Several analogies that we can read about in the scriptures is a sower went forth to sow. And some seed fell by the wayside. And we begin to picture in our mind the, that God is going forth and God's sowing seeds. And, and we, begin to, we begin to see that, that sower that he's going forth and he's got his bag and his holster. And he's just throwing seed out. And we begin to visualize. We begin to picture what that's like. Jesus also gave us another example um, of a field with tares in it. Or a field that uh, there was wheat in the field. But there was also tears or thorns that had 
mix themselves in with the with the wheat, and we begin to picture what that's like and how that the it's very it's almost impossible to uh, to tear to pull out the tears without ripping out the wheat, and we in our minds can picture what that is like a field with tears in the wheat. Another analogy, a scripture that. Uh, we hear the Lord talking about in his three and a half years of ministry is uh, faith is like a mustard seed. And in our minds and through studying history and uh, botany, if you will, you can understand that a mustard seed is something that's very small in nature. And you're seeing uh, that mustard seed that is so small in the ground and begin to produce something uh, of a magnificent size and nature. And, and that analogy begins to come to to life in our minds Another analogy that's used is leaven in a bread and leaven used in bread. How that if you put a little bit of leaven or what we know as yeast into the bread, it begins to rise. And we have a few bakers in the house and they know about how that works. Amen. I've watched uh, my wife's aunt make bread and she leaves it overnight or just uh, in a little. Uh, if she, she leaves it overnight, the uh, dough that she's making, it begins to rise and there has to be some sort of way to kind of compact it so it doesn't get crazy big and out of hand and there's different and, and when the Lord begins to talk about leaven a little leaven leaven at the whole lump you begin to picture in your mind what that's like that little bit of yeast or leaven that begins to make that bread rise another analogy that is used in scriptures is uh, treasure hid in a field and we begin to picture in our minds perhaps the field next to this church and we begin to think of how maybe somebody went out into that field and they bury treasure. And we're thinking, man, where's that treasure? And we begin to picture with our minds what it's like. Treasure hid in a field. And those mental pictures help us to conceptualize the subject and transmit it to others. An analogy can be defined as a comparison between two things. Typically for the purpose of explanation or clarification. And there are many analogies in the Bible that we just alluded to a moment ago that help. To give us a clear understanding of what the church is. And if somebody would turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 19. Amen. Just a few verses of scripture. Amen. And I want to, as they're preparing to do that, I'm not sure who that is, but we'll let leave it up for a volunteer. Uh, I will tell you that this analogy that I'm going to give you is uh, the church as a fine building. The church is a fine building and we begin to and I'm going to begin to talk about that for a few moments about how the church is a fine or a beautiful building. Who has Ephesians chapter two and verse 19? Amen. Sister Camarina, verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, and whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So the analogy that we read in the book of Ephesians, this is the apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, and he's beginning to make the visual, the pictorial illustration of the church as a fine building. He's beginning to making he's beginning to make uh, different 
uh, throwing out buzzwords and keywords such as the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And he's talking about Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And he's referring in verse 21 to the building fitly framed together and how it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And it says, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And there's the, uh, there's the application that is made as a church, as a fine building. And in the church as a fine building, uh, there's scriptures such as Matthew 16 and 18 that talks about, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And from Matthew 16 and 18, we understand that in the, as the church as a fine building, God himself is the architect or the designer or the builder. Amen. He's all three of those. He's the architect. He's the one that's setting out to uh, cast that concept and cast that, that vision of what the church should be like. Uh, and he's building it just like he said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And it's so important that we realize that God must be the, the center, uh, the, the focal point of our existence. It must be God that is building our lives and not we ourselves doing things our own way and, and casting our own, uh, our, our own preferences into the way that we do church. But it must be God. You've got to be the one that builds this house. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord Keep the city, the watchman wakes, but in vain. And the church as a fine building, amen, illustrates in Matthew 16, 18, that God is the, its, its builder and its designer and its architect. Amen. The pastoral ministry is, uh, is as the superintendent or the foreman or the overseer, if you will, of that building project. Amen. God sets that particular area of ministry into motion it's in first peter chapter five and two that he says feed the flock of god which is among you taking the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly amen god places in the church and god gives gifts to the church such as the pastoral ministry and there's many amen in this place today that at one time or another perhaps you stood behind a, a podium or uh, some sort of uh, place of ministry. You begin to lead people in ministry. You begin to lead people and you are helping to feed the flock of God. Uh, myself, what I'm doing tonight or what I'm attempting to do is to feed the flock of God. It's my prayer that God would help me to be able to feed the sheep. Amen. And that's what God intends for the pastoral ministry as the superintendent. Amen. Leading that construction effort, if you will. Humanity is the building material. Ephesians 2 and 22 says, In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Amen. I want God to work in my life today. If the church is, as the Scripture lets us to know, a fine building, and that is the analogy that we are discussing tonight, the church as a fine building. I want to know what is that building material. I want to render the building material available to God. And I want God to begin to take my life as a humble, amen, child of God. And I want to say to God, God, I want you to use me as a building material. Make me something beautiful, God. God, I want to place my life into the hands of God. And if 
I'm a, if I'm a man or I'm a woman that has a family, amen, that leads a home, I want to say, God, help me to lead my family. God, that they might be available, that they might be vessels in the hands of God. God, I want you to make my life something beautiful. I want you to make my family something beautiful. I want to place my life in the palm of your hands, God. That you can use me, God. That I can be a part of the building up of the church of the living God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want my life to be available. I want it to be laid out before the hand of God. Hallelujah. The body of believers are the skilled tradesmen and laborers. And that is what we are here today. Amen. And many, there's different times in, in the course of, uh, of the history of a church. Amen. We may feel a different role. Amen. There may be a time where where God elevates an individual in a church and then God says, now you are a part of the pastoral ministry. You're at, you should be able to help lead people and feed them. And other times, amen, we come to, we come to God and God just said, just lend me your life. Just put your life into my hands and watch what I'll do for your life. And then there's other times, amen, that as a body of believers, we just say, God, just use me. God, just let me be a part of what you're doing. God, I've got a little bit of talent. I've got a little bit of ability, God. I've got administrative skills. I've got musical talents and abilities. I can sing. I can help organize. I can take care of people. I can drive, whatever it may be. God, I want to be a laborer in the kingdom of God. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And as we rapidly approach 2018, it should be our prayer. God, help me to find my part. God, help me to be engaged in the kingdom of God. Help me to work for you, God. Help me to do everything in my power, Lord, to see the church of God established in the city of Lathrop, God, that you might receive glory and honor, that you might be praised, O oh God. Hallelujah. The body of believers. The skilled tradesmen and laborers, humanity, the building materials. And we could continue on with this analogy. Jesus, Amen. Hallelujah. God, we worship you. Hallelujah. Still battling with a little bit of a tickle in my throat. Amen. <coughs> and, uh, but we want to continue on. Amen. The Bible, as we approach the analogy of the church as a, uh, a fine building, a beautiful structure, you say, what is, where are the architectural drawings? And for that question, I would point you to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. Many of you could probably quote that scripture. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for what? Instruction in righteousness. Amen. And we have to uh, continue to go back to the word of God and say, does my life line up with the blueprint in the word of God? If I'm going to be uh, engaged in the building of the kingdom of God, I've got to go back to the blueprint. Amen. I think for a time my brother Paul was engaged with AutoCAD. It's a, a design system program that you, I think you create blueprints and you begin to do all those things. And once those AutoCAD drawings were finalized and signed off by the professional engineer, those things are Bible. 
You have to stick to those drawings. If you deviate from the drawing, uh, you have to probably destroy it, remodel it, and bring it back to the original manuscript, the original drawing, the original idea of the architect. And the scripture is such uh, a set, if you will, of architectural drawings, and I would tell you mandates, amen, whereby we are to live for God, amen, and we should be going to the Word of God and making sure, and that is something that we're attempting to do here tonight, is to go back to the Word of God and, and begin to talk about, amen, does the uh, does the makeup of our church, amen, is it aligned with the Word of God, amen? Is the, the construction of your life and of your family and how you are leading your, your children, how you're leading your family and your home life and, and the, your heart of hearts, is it lining up with the blueprint with the Word of God? Amen. You may try to make all sorts of exceptions why you can do this and why you can do that, and, and you may try to make things warm and fuzzy, amen, but... The bottom line at the end of the day, does my life line up to the word of God? Amen. Am I living according to the blueprint? Am I living according to the scriptures in the word of God? And it's not, we don't follow some personality. We don't follow some uh, feeling that we get, but we base what we preach and what we teach on the scriptures, on the word of God. And we have to make sure that this church is built upon the word of God. And the Bible is that set of architectural drawings. And if we will follow to the set of architectural drawings, I believe that the day will come when others will look at Abundant Life Center. And they'll see the families in this church and they'll say, what a beautiful church of the living God. What a beautiful family you have what a beautiful edifice that you have constructed, you have erected in the city of Latham. What a beautiful, amen, program, whatever, however they may try to classify it or categorize it. What a, what a beautiful church you have. And it will only be because we followed the blueprint in the word of God. And we said, I've got to align my life and my family and my doctrine and my beliefs with the word of God that's unchanged and that's unadulterated. And it must be lined up with the word of God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Another element of the analogy of the church as a fine building is there is always that dreaded part of construction or remodeling when you have done what you said you're going to do and you set out to do it, you count the cost. And then you got that building inspector that comes along and says, hey, wait a minute here. You're not up to code, buddy. You did that all wrong. Tear that down. Do that over. Do it right. And you think, I've been doing this right. I, I, I've cut costs, man. I did this myself. I YouTube the video, and I figured it out. I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm awesome. And here comes the building inspector. Say, hey, you should have used a different type of material. You should have done it different." A few more inches high and this more wide. And you're thinking, oh man, I thought I knew what I was doing. I'm self-educated. But the building inspector comes along. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 8 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is, it is, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter 
will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, the Comforter, Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. A Holy Ghost has to be at work in your life. You think you're doing it all right. You think you've got it going on many times. And we think, man, I'm just coasting through. I figured this thing out. I know exactly what I'm doing. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost checks in your spirit. Hey, you need to get back to your first love. Hey, you need to, you need to count the cost. Hey, you need, you need to make sure that you place a higher priority on the things of God. And the Holy Ghost comes into your life and begins to, to check your spirit and says, Hey, when was the last time you fell on your face before God? When was the last time you fought in love with God and you, you got lost in God's presence? When was the last time? Hallelujah. And we think we're doing fine. The Holy Ghost comes and checks our spirit. That building inspector, if you will, and begins to come along and say, hey, you missed the spot here. You're thinking, oh, man, I thought I could get away with that. I didn't think it was that important. I didn't think it was that necessary. I could get away with skipping out here, skipping out there. No show here, no show there. Maybe not be a faithful giver. Maybe I can slip off to the movies here and there. Maybe I can slip off and do this and do that. And the Holy Ghost comes and says, hey, that's not what's in the plan for your life. And we got to allow that Holy Ghost to work in our lives. And this analogy of the church as a fine building reveals to us also, amen, the importance of a good and a solid foundation, which includes doctrinal teaching and holiness preaching and holiness teaching and practical preaching and the, and the order of priorities. And it's my it's my responsibility and I am endeavoring tonight, amen, to begin to amen, begin to work on that foundation once again and say, hey, let's go back and let's look at the foundation of our existence. Let's look at, amen, where we are as a church, amen. Is our foundation still rock solid or are there cracks appearing in the foundation of the church? I want to tell you today, if you don't address the foundational principles of living for God. Amen. There's a storm coming one day and it will knock you off your feet if you haven't taken care of some basic essential things in your life. And I'm preaching to myself just like I'm preaching to you tonight. God help me to go back and inspect the foundation of my life. Am I, am I getting away from prayer? Am I getting away from the word of God? Am I allowing cracks to show up in my life? God, help me. Help me to be holy. Help me to understand the doctrine of the oneness of God. Help me, God, amen, to order my priorities where, where my highest priority is coming before God on a regular basis. is pleasing God. It's to please God. Is He pleased with my life, the decisions that I'm making? Or does it please and, and appease my flesh? Am I seeking to appease my flesh and not please the God that I serve? Amen. That also, this concept, this analogy also reveals to us the quality of building materials. 
building materials. No shortcuts. The real thing. Not the counterfeit. The real thing. God, let the Holy Ghost that I have be genuine. Let it be current. Let it be real. Let me really love you with my whole heart. If an unsafe building is built using cheap materials, such as gimmicks and tricks and bribery and unskilled labor, faulty construction, people that don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they believe. They don't, <clears throat> they're just stumbling their way through. That's unskilled labor. It will not provide for a safe and protected church. Hallelujah. It's not that we just learn some skill, but it's also that we have the real thing. We got the, we got the goods. Amen. We've come prayed up. We've come uh, read up in our Bibles. And it helps to build for a powerful church service. Amen. I want this church to be world class. Amen. We want this church to be second to none. Amen. This is a representation of the presence of God, of the God that we serve. People should not look to Abundant Life Center, look to our families and say, poor old them, man. Oh, man, they're struggling. They should look and say, man, that church is overcoming. That church is beautiful. They're on their way to perfection. God is helping them. God's moving in their lives. And that's the church that we want to be. The church, another analogy as we shift gears for a moment. The church is a work of art. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And you can consider the magnificence of God's creation. Amen. If you look into, uh, if you look perhaps even to a National Geographic magazine, I remember looking at those as a kid and seeing all the beautiful uh, rainforest of the Amazon jungle and you begin to look across the different countries that are represented in the magazine or maybe you go on Google Images whatever you do and maybe you've taken wonderful vacations and you've seen the beautiful tropics and you've seen all the different varieties of plants and all the different things and, and you can begin to understand that the church is a work of art Amen. It's every color in the church. It's every size. It's every walk of life. Amen. There should be variety in the church of God. There should be more. There should be all sorts of diversity in the church of the living God. Amen. The church that we are part of should not be a white church or, or a brown church or a black church or any colored church or a rich church or a poor church. But it should be a church for all walks of life, for all colors, for every nation, every tongue, every creed. Everybody should be welcome in the church of the living God. It's a work of art. When people look at a work of art, they see splashes of color, and they see variety, and they see intention, and they see purpose, and they look at something with, oh, wow, that's beautiful. What a, what a magnificent creation. When people look at the church, amen, they should look at it with, oh, wow, what a beautiful church. Look at them. They got Mexicans there, and Caucasians, and they got African Americans, and they got Asians, and they got people from India, and they got people from the Middle East, and they got people from all these different countries yeah. they say wow what a beautiful display of color what a beautiful display of ability and talents everybody using their area of giftedness for the church and it all flows together 
It's a work of art. There must be a wise mix of not just dogged persistence, but Holy Ghost anointing. There should be a mix. There's, there's sometimes, amen, you can go to some churches, and I hope we, we are not that way. I pray that God we're not this way, but there could be some churches that there's no touch of God, amen, but they've got a dog persistence. Well, if we just keep on, amen, God's going to help us. We've got to have dog persistence, and we've also, we've also got to have a touch of God. We've got to have a move of the Holy Ghost, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. It should be a display of all sorts of gifts. The gifts of the Spirit should be in operation. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. All of those things go and they go together. Amen. In creating the beautiful work of art that is the church. Amen. The church is God's greatest creation. It is His crowning work of art. And He is intending to display it for all of eternity. Amen. What we are doing here tonight on a Wednesday night in December of 2017. Amen. We're trying to create, amen, that perfect vision that God has for this group of people, for us as a people. Amen. We're attempting to match our lives up to that blueprint, that drawing. Amen. We're attempting to uh, to resemble the nature and the character of God. And the day will come when God will display this church to, for all of you, for all of eternity. Amen. And this will be, amen. I want this to be a, amen, a church, amen, that resembles the nature and the character and the disposition of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. A work of art, something of beauty. Each local assembly is meant to be a display of God's beauty and creative ability. The world, as we said, we've said before, the world should be able to observe a happy, a joyous, a wholesome, a powerful manifestation of God's work. By what? By observing the people of God. The church should be able to observe what Jesus looks like in this earth when they look at our lives. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. They should be able to look at our lives and say, that's joy. That's order. That's peace. You've got what he has. You look like you've been with Jesus. Those statements should be on people's lips. I'd like for Brother Paul, if you will, to read 1 Kings chapter 10. Amen. Sister Shannon, you have a Bible? Brother Paul, give Paul, Brother Paul 1 Kings 
He can find it. Yeah, First Kings chapter 10. There's a number of scriptures here that that give us a visual of what the church of God can be like in its reach, in its magnetism, its draw to the world at large, the world abroad. First Kings chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold, and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king, which she told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sinning of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came, and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me, thy wisdom and prosperity exceeding the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee, and that bear and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee, to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, very great store, and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as, as these, which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. The queen of Sheba <clears throat> was clear across the globe, and she heard of the beauty of Solomon's house. She heard about the joy that was in that house, how even the servants were happy and joyful and their attire was impeccable and, and the gold cups and she heard of all these different things. The attraction of a beautiful, uh, uh, of a beautiful nation, a beautiful kingdom had spread throughout the entire world and the attraction of a beautiful church will appeal, it will attract, it will draw in Amen. The center from around the corner of your house. It can draw in uh, somebody from around the block or around uh, around the neighborhood or around the the county in which we live. If we are uh, forming and fashioning ourselves as a beautiful church of the living God, there's something beautiful about it. The church should be a joyful place. Amen. If you look at the story here in First Kings chapter ten, when when the queen of Sheba went into the king's house, she saw that everybody there knew exactly what they were doing. They were happy to be there. They were in their rightful place. They were doing exactly what they what they were gifted in. And she said in, in verse number five, in the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. People should, when they come to our church and we are, we're getting there, amen, we're on our way, amen, to when people come to the doors of the church, they see an usher, 
Amen. And they, they see a smile and they see dress nice and they, they see peace and they see harmony and they see a smooth flow into the church and somebody else greets them and they got a smile on their face and it's not a fake smile, it's a, it's a real smile and they see children, amen, and no, I know our children are not angels, amen, I was far from perfect when I was a child, but but by and large, amen, we had a, we had a respect for the house of God and many times I remember when we were in, uh, we were in Stockton one time and I remember we sat behind or in front of Brother Rios and he, he was telling, I think he was telling us later on, he said, I remember watching, you know, you and your brothers, you were crazy cutting up in church. But as soon as your dad got there, you guys all buttoned up and you sat up straight and you didn't say another word. And you had order. And it's not, it's not because my mom was bad. It was just because we knew we were going to really get it. And there was order. And there was, there, it wasn't chaos. And, and when people come to church, it's not getting up and down and going back and forth and, and, and it's, it's, it's order and it's beautiful and God helps us, amen, that when the service takes place and it's happening, amen, every service, amen, it's my prayer and it's our desire that every service would be filled with glory and grandeur. That when people come to church, they say, what a powerful service. What a beautiful people. Amen. Look at the spirit of God moving in their lives. I remember when he was a drug addict and now he's preaching the word. I remember when he was sleeping around and now he's, he's singing on to the Lord and God's helping him. God's turned his life around. I remember when God moved. And they see the glory. They see the transformative power of God at work in the person's life. And just like the Queen of Sheba just came and observed, and she said, the half has not been told. Amen. They told me it would be beautiful in God's house, but I didn't know it would be that beautiful. I didn't know it would be that powerful. I didn't know God could really help my situation. But when I see what he's done in your life, and I see what he's done in her life, he can do it for me. God can work a miracle for my family and my body. God help us, Lord, to become more like God, I want to be what you want me to be, Lord. Oh, God, I want what you have in store for my life. Hallelujah. 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 I remember when I was a kid, and there was one time in particular I remember. We were in, uh, going to church in Stockton. It was Brother Mendoza's church. And I remember as a kid, thinking I could slip out and go to the bathroom during church. And I went towards the back door, and those big old ushers, where are you going, son? I'm going to go to the bathroom. No, you're not. I'm not? No. You're going to go back and sit down. Yes, sir. And I went straight back. And I made sure to obey my mom and dad to go to the restroom before church. Don't be getting up and down during service. It should be a, it should be a place of order. And I never forgot that in Stockton. That usher said, "No, go sit down." I said, oh, "I gotta go really bad. Save it. You go you go after church is over." 
<laughs> I remember the man. I'm going to make sure I go before church next time or I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. And when you consider Solomon's house, it was order. It was beautiful. People knew what they were doing. They were, they were well-informed. They were, uh, they were dressed appropriately. They were ready, amen, to minister in Solomon's temple. They were ready to, to serve in his kingdom. And they were doing it with joy, with happiness. And it was beautiful. It was attractive to the queen of Sheba. And it caused her to say, blessed be the Lord thy God. It will draw others to Jesus if we, amen, resemble order, beauty, that work of art. Hallelujah. A couple of final, a few final analogies as we as we close is the church as Christ's bride. It's holy, it's pure, it's separate, it's loyal. It is a holy bride in Old Testament times. Amen. When you were engaged to be married, the woman at that point took on the name of the groom they were going to marry. We take on his name before we are at the marriage supper of the Lamb, if you will, in the waters of baptism. And we keep ourselves for that day that's coming. We say, I want to be holy. I want to be separate. I want to be pure. I want to be loyal to the love of my life because I want to cross that threshold. I want to perform my vows with a pure conscience. And isn't it interesting how when a couple is married, it is the man that's on the platform and the woman that's walking up to where he is. She's in one way, she's following him. I'm going to where he is. He's not following me. I'm following him. There he is. That's where I need to go. And this should be that way as a church, as Christ's bride. That we say, where is he? I want to go to where he is. I want to follow him. I'm not saying, God, you got to do exactly what I want you to do. I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do? God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue the heartbeat of heaven. I'm going to follow the groom and not the other way around. We talked about the beginning of this tonight. The church is also a sheepfold. There's a shepherd that's looking out for the flock. Amen. He's he's going through the flock and he's looking at the sheep and he's saying, hey, that one there has got some disease on it. We want we might want to pull that one aside. This one here. It keeps wandering off. I might need to break that person's let that lamb's leg and hold it close so it learns to follow my my words. And, and and all these different things that we gather from the analogies of the church. What is the church like? The title here tonight. The church is as a sheepfold. There's a meeting place, and which is what we have here tonight. It's a meeting place where God can speak into our lives. The church as a sheepfold also serves for the domestication of wild sheep. For a finer product. Amen. When we come to God many times we are we're wild in our ways. We're doing whatever we want to do. Whatever the flesh tells us to do. We just give in. And, and then we need a shepherd to say, hey, you're not going to be wild no more. If you'll follow my voice, if you'll follow my direction, 
I'll help, amen, to, to lead you in a right way that the wool that's on your back might be pure wool, amen, that there might be, you might be free of disease, you might be free of all the handicaps and the hardships and all the turmoils and, and heartbreak you might go through otherwise. You've got to come into a sheepfold and allow a shepherd to lead you and to guide you, amen, and to keep you and look out for you and fight for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. There's been many times, and no, no doubt you've probably seen, amen, I have watched as people begin to, uh, people say, well, I'm going to start paying my tithe. Amen. The moment they start paying their tithe, I start praying, God, you bless them. God, I want you to prosper them. God, I want you to take care of them. God, I want you to make a way for them. I want you to show your power in their lives. And it's a shepherd going to work for the sheep and saying, God, bless them. They've been faithful, Lord. God, keep their marriage, Lord. You see the hell they're fighting. God, come through for them. And the shepherd goes to work saying, leave the sheep alone. I need a shepherd. The church is a sheepfold. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And one final thing as we close. The church is a cultivated field. It's a cultivated field. It's not something that's left to hap happenstance. It's not something that's done haphazardly. But God intentionally deposits into your spirit, Brother Nathan, on a Wednesday night. Or your spirit, Brother Paul, on a Sunday morning. A seed. And God is trying to cultivate something. God's trying to say, hey, I want to put something in your heart. I want to cultivate. I want to make something beautiful. Apart or outside of that cultivated field that is the church, you're susceptible to the winds blowing and random seeds fall into your life. And you're wondering, where did that come from? We need to get in the church. It's a cultivated field. Isn't it interesting that there's a, there's a scripture in the, in the Gospels that it's Jesus finding a tree that's not producing fruit? I think there's actually two scenarios where he finds, he comes up, uh, across a fig tree. And one fig tree, he comes across, it's not producing fruit, he curses it to the ground. Another fig tree, another tree comes across and he says, this tree should produce fruit, I'm going to curse. And the husbandman says, wait a minute, give me one more year. Let me work, let me dig a trench, let me work, let me pull out some weeds, let me, let me trim the branches, let me, let me, give me one more year. And the Lord says, one more year. Similar is the church. As a cultivated field, there's someone that's responsible saying, hey, God, and I'm not saying this to point you out, and I don't mean this in any way, but God, the Lord says, I'm going to take Brother Noah out. He's been crossing me too much. And the preacher says, no, God, give him one more chance. Let me pray with him. Let me fast with him. Let me work with him. How many times has that happened in our lives? We thought, God, I don't deserve to make it. And a pastor shoemaker maybe went to intercession for Sister Shannon and said, God, let me, let me preach to her some more. God, let me help her. Let me love her. Let me, let me pray. Let me fast. Let me, let, let me work this, this, this tree. And if you happen to have that awesome experience, amen, of living in the church, a cultivated field, 
Amen. You find that your life has intention and purpose. And it's not a weed patch with all random things popping up. And you don't know what's going on. You're confused. But you know, I'm where God planted me. I'm in a cultivated field. And God's going to work in my life. Why don't we stand to our feet? Amen. I want us just to lift up our hands for a few moments and talk with the Lord. Amen. I want us just to begin to talk to the Lord, amen, from our hearts. Amen. God, I want you to talk to my life today. God, I want you to move in my life today. God, I just want to have a few moments here tonight. God, I want to make sure, God, that my life is lined up to your word, God. God, I want to make sure that I'm staying connected to the builder, Lord. The one that said, I'm going to build my church upon this rock. The one that said, amen, that we're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And, and God, I want to stay connected, God. Lord, I want to stay connected to you, Lord. Just like the, the arm, be connected to the body. Just like we need connection to the head. We've got to receive the impulse. We've got to receive the, the instruction. We've got to receive the signals that you're sending off. God, as a fine building that the church is, God, help me to make sure that I'm lined up to the blueprint the Word of God has for my life. God, help me to make sure that as a sheep in the sheep of God, I stay close to you, Lord. I follow your voice and not another voice. But I'm in a cultivated field, God. I'm not out doing my own thing, God. But I want to live my life with purpose and intention, God. And God, I want my life to be beautiful. I want it to be a work of art like the church is. I want to resemble the intention, the plans, the purpose of God. To reveal His nature to the world around me. God, I want to make sure that I've still got a rock solid, a firm foundation. God, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Come on, let's talk to the Lord for a few moments before we, before we leave this place today. God, move us forward in you tonight. Move us forward in you tonight. Lead us and guide us and direct us, God. Help us to do your will, God. Help us to follow your voice. Help us to be what you designed us and created us to be. Help us to be moldable in the hands of God. Help us to be clay in your hands. Help me to do my part. God, may the church of the living God be a beautiful beautiful church something that attracts the world not where the world attracts us but where we attract the world to find you Jesus hallelujah 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 come on let's take a few moments right now as we Come to the conclusion of this service. God, speak to my life. God, help me to do my part, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. I believe that God will move us forward if we will allow Him to. Amen.